Thank you, Lord. Leading up to Christmas this year, uh, we've been inviting people to join in uh, my family tradition from back when I was young, and that is unpacking the nativity scene. Uh, we used to have a nativity scene that was kept in a box with a blue lid up in the top shelf of a cupboard in the, uh, in the hallway, and we knew that Christmas was on the way when it would be found, unpacked and placed on the mantelpiece in the lounge. And during Christmas, our attention would be drawn to many different things, the growing pile of presents that made wonderful sounds when they shook them, the uh, bang of Christmas crackers and those silly hats and those even sillier but great jokes and the wonderful uh, smells that came from the kitchen before the family meal. But the nativity scene always drew us back to think again about Jesus and his birth. And this year, as we've unpacked the nativity scene, it hasn't just been taking figures out of polystyrene polystyrene packaging and tissue paper, but looking again at each of those people and what these, that, uh, these figurines represent and what they have to say to us for our lives and faith today. We looked at Joseph, a man of righteousness and compassion, and Mary, a woman of faith and courage. And we saw these were the qualities that God chose in the parents that nurtured his son, and that men and women need to develop in their lives today. And the shepherds and angels told us that the one born in the stable was good news to be shared with great and small. And the Magi told us that this good news was for all people and that we should seek to know the truth in Jesus Christ. And in a nativity scene, you will notice, however, uh, that while these figures are big and take up much of the room, that everyone traditionally is looking towards a central spot. And that is because the most important person in the scene is the child in the manger. Because Christmas is about Jesus Christ. And Luke and Matthew in their Gospels focus on the story of Jesus' birth. But John draws back and gives us a big cosmic picture. He looks back not 2,000 years, but into time before time when there was only God. And he says that before the beginning of anything, there was the Word, and the Word was with God and was God, and that through this Word, God created everything that was made. And boy, we could spend a lot of time simply unpacking that one sentence. And when you feel the peace uh, as you sit by a, a still lake, or you feel that sense of awe at a mountain vista, or off the coast here, the, the grandeur of the Pacific Ocean, or the panorama of the night sky, or the pillars of creation, in the Eagle Nebula, dust clouds of a previous cosmic event that you can only see through the Hubble telescope. When you feel that, you are touching or being touched by the very unique breath print of God's word in creation. And in Jesus, John tells us, 
this eternal creating word that was with and was God became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And John uses a metaphor to explain this. He speaks of human beings living in darkness and that God has made a light to shine for them. He's looking back to a prophecy about the coming of God's Messiah, a saviour and righteous king from the book of Isaiah, which talks about a light shining for those who live in darkness and saying, in Jesus, this hope, this promise has come true. And you know, we tend to think with our modern street lights, our quartz halogen lamps and LEDs, that we have banished the dark. But there still is a darkness that dwells in the hearts of humanity. And it was into this darkness that God chose to shine his light in the person of Jesus Christ. And then John says that this light, this God word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And the big theological word is tabernacled, which brings to mind the tent, the tabernacle, used to acknowledge the presence of God with the people of Israel during their wilderness journey in the book of Exodus. And it's in John's prologue, it's as if we have swept across the whole of the Old Testament narrative and that it is fulfilled in Jesus born at Bethlehem. Yet also, how much more Kiwi could the Bible get than to talk of God coming as a human being as God pitching his tent in our neighborhood. In fact, in my very cheesy, cheeky, it's my very cheesy, cheeky joke that New Zealand is really into the incarnation, which is a theological word for the, the God becoming a human being. We're really into the incarnation at Christmas because we all jump into our cars and we head off on our summer holidays to the beach. We literally become an incarnation. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> And if you've ever spent your summers camping by the beach or in those temporary suburbs we call campgrounds, you'll know then when all that's between you and your neighbours is a few feet and a bit of canvas, well, you're very much on display. You know, John tells us that while no one has ever seen God face to face, in Jesus Christ we beheld him full of glory and truth. And when we try to comprehend the idea of God being so vast and huge to have made it all, makes it hard for us to comprehend that God cares about us, that God loves us, that God could know about us. In fact, when religions approach God, it's with the idea of awe and fear. Or we try and have rules and regulations and rituals to approach our deity. We often view God like Michelangelo does on the Sistine Chapel ceiling. God distant, reaching down from a cloud towards Adam, towards man, and almost touching fingertips with him, but not quite. There is still this distance. There is still this gap. In fact, in the image of that part of the painting, you can see that cracks appear between the almost touching fingers. However, Christmas tells us that God is so much more approachable, that God draws even closer, 
And we don't need our religion or ethics or philosophies to bridge the gap. In Christ, God became one of us and bridged the gap himself. When each of my four children were born, the most amazing thing I remember was putting my finger on their hands and having their wrap their, uh, their hand around it. Uh, they all had good grips. <laughs> and it made me feel wonderful and special. And yes, my eyes teared up. Uh, and, um, you know, to have this connection with what up till then had simply been a wriggling bump in their mother's midriff. And it wasn't even spoilt when someone told me that, well, it's just simply a reflex reaction. <laughs> you know, not a genuine connection. And yet, you know, that is how close God chose to come to us in such an intimate and profound touch. That's how approachable God is. A baby grasping a finger. And those hands as Jesus grew would have held Mary's hand for stability as he learned to walk and would have learnt skill with wood and tools as he worked alongside Joseph in the carpentry shop. And those hands would have invited people to come and follow him and would have reached out to heal the sick. Would have welcomed children to him to be blessed. Would have embraced the outcast. Would have gestured as he told us God's word. And they are also the hands that human beings would nail to a cross. And would be folded over his dead body as it was buried. And yet they are also the hands that would cook fish for disciples and be touched and checked out when he rose to life again. The word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. God is approachable. God is knowable. God is Emmanuel. God with us. And this Christmas, I hope that you might draw close and touch afresh our approachable God, who in Christ pitched his tent in our neighborhood. Not just be reminded of him by a nativity scene or some other family ritual, but that you might embrace him and place him at the center of your life all year round. You'll notice in the image that we've been using for the whole series, the manger is empty. And it's been the joke around the office. Where's Jesus? <laughs> uh, but uh, it's empty. And so is the cross in the background. Christ was born. Christ lived and died. But is raised to life again. And we can meet and know him in our lives by the Holy Spirit. Not just in here, in, in, you know, come to visit here, but to know him in our lives, in our everyday life, in the midst of all our joys and sorrows. Emmanuel, God with us. And Christmas is a time for family. And as John reminds us, in Jesus, God approaches us and invites us into his family. He came to his own and all who would accept him, he gave the right to become the sons and daughters of the Most High God. And that knowing him afresh this Christmas, I pray you would allow him to use your hands.
your life to show his love to this world that God so loves. Amen.